How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. Today's episode is sponsored by Aton Medical, a global leader in advanced infused therapy solutions. When every second counts, the Aton Medical Sapphire Infusion Pump delivers, even under the most demanding conditions. Visit Aton Medical, that's E-I-T-A-N medical.com to learn more about the Sapphire Infusion Pump. My guest today to discuss this particular pump as well as the overall benefits of the technological advances we are seeing in EMS, is LJ Relly. LJ is a career firefighter paramedic serving the greater New Orleans area for over 15 years and currently serves as a consultant for Aton Medical with intimate knowledge about the Sapphire Infusion Pump and the benefits it brings to the EMS industry. LJ, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Mike. So at the outset, let's just be clear, you are not a salesperson. <laughs> and I say this because I think it's important to say when discussing a product because it's not biased. It's based on fact, experience, using the product, which I believe resonates well with the listener. Absolutely. So I work with ETAN as a clinical consultant. Um, really and truly, I found this pump uh, just in the need with my full-time job working as a clinical educator uh, for you know, our shop out here in New Orleans and seeing a real need uh, to provide infusions to our patients. And uh, what was currently kind of out there in the market just wasn't cutting it. So, you know, this is an honest discovery and uh, Aton's been a great partner to work with. And I'm happy to, you know, have kind of helped tailor this, uh, this great product into the use in the pre-hospital environment. Yeah, sure. Because I think that that type of experience goes a long way um, with the provider. Listen, sales, sales folks are sales folks, right? They're paid to sell the product, but when you have a, an intimate and hands-on type use with that product and you can extol the virtues of it, I think that it goes a, a long way with the provider. So with respect to infusion pumps, I will say that they're not always looked favorably upon in our industry. And, and that, at least from my perspective, why is this pump different? Maybe a couple of the features that you really like about it. Well, what I, I love about it is is that it really, let's step back from the the pump and let's just step back to to what we have available to us today as far as technology. The pump is is just a great representation of the fact that within the EMS environment, there's lots of great solutions that exist uh, that exist in other realms of care. And uh, with intuitive workflows and, and with technology, we can actually improve what we're doing. Um, so in this case, uh, the way that this pump functions is that it's just really, really easy to use. It's small. So that means that we can bring it point of care. It doesn't have to be positioned per, you know, perfectly like you imagine a big hospital IV pump. This is an ambulatory uh, infusion pump. So even in suboptimal positioning, the pump still works very well, extremely accurate. And the biggest point, is that it's backed up with a uh, drug library that can be configured to your protocols and to your guidelines and, uh, and really just work for your service perfectly. Which, which is all great. And, and I, I do believe that it absolutely has such great 
uh, specific usage in our industry. The, the question is, what about the intimidation factor? And I just throw that out there because I think a lot of times providers are just intimidated by it because, again, it's technology and we're more worried about how we're going to screw it up or screw the patient up utilizing that than actually focusing on, hey, you know what? This is put into practice for a reason to make our lives easier. So maybe you can kind of expand upon that intimidation factor and getting over the hump to get providers to feel comfortable using this type of thing. Oh, absolutely. Well, look, this isn't the same pumps as we've seen in the critical care environment where they're a little more complicated to use. And, you know, we're trying to match things that may be within a drug library that exists uh, that may not be. Um, you know, this is something, especially for the 911 perspective, that you can tailor to your services' particular needs. It takes all the med math out of it. Um, it, you know, can give doses recommendations to keep it within your protocols and, you know, really just have a big cognitive offload. Um, if you can, uh, you know, mix a medication uh, and even gives you the concentration as to what you should have per your protocols when your library is built out. If you can put that together, if you can spike the bag, um, you know, easily load the cassette into the into the pump and then press start and pick a starting dosage range, you're ready to rock and roll and you can make that happen within seconds. Um, and so what does that mean? That means that you can stabilize a patient, you can give definitive treatment now, um, and you can do it with confidence. If something messes up, if you're, you know, uh, you know, a catheter becomes occluded or, you know, you get a, a pressure alarm on the patient side or air in the line or anything like that, the pump yells at you and says, hey, I got a problem um, and this is how you fix it. So being intimidated with it is really uh, not something that, you know, we need to worry about. It's just, uh, you know put it to use. And if there's a problem, it lets you know how to negotiate it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the way you explained it makes complete sense because I, I honestly do believe that that intimidation is, is, is not warranted. It actually is easier because it shows you or tells you when things are wrong, as opposed to us doing things on our own manually, which we've done forever and ever. We need to rely on this type of technology to, to carry us over and get us into that next place where we're going to take ourselves as clinicians and just better ourselves as an industry. So I agree. What is, I think that when we look at infusion pumps also, there's that type of thought process uh, with respect to shorter and longer transport times. So as a provider in an urban EMS setting, I look at it and say, listen, by the time I get that pump out and I set it up, right, and I start to infuse, I'm already going to be in the parking lot of the hospital. How do you, how do you process that with respect to that urban type setting and that shorter transport time? Well, that's a really great question. And I think that that, uh, that question and that thought gets brought up a lot, especially when we're talking about any new or emerging treatment technology in the pre-hospital environment. So let's look at it like this. The advantage with the Sapphire is that, and with a lot of devices, is that we can really begin to treat the patient point of care. So we're not waiting to bring them back to the ambulance to you know, establish, in this case, an infusion. We really can bring it right there to the bedside um, or you know, within the patient's house, if the patient's on the floor, whatever the deal is, and initiate that care right then and begin to stabilize that patient right then um, rather than you know, waiting and delaying. And you know, when we do that, and we really start looking at what our patient contact time is, you know, all the way through the delivery time, you know, or offload time to the ER. Those, uh, you know, when I look at stuff in my shop and we start looking at, you know, talk to peers and look at national data, you know, it really starts to look like our patient contact time, even with short transports, is looking to be, you know, 20, 30, 40 plus minutes, even when we're in close proximity to, you know, a hospital. Um, so initiating that care right now, 
you know, getting a handle on a problem like, you know, hypotension, something you might use a vasopressor for, you know, something that you might need a vasodilator for, like, a, you know, a CHF or as an example, um, instead of just delaying that, you know, life-saving and stabilizing treatment, we get it started minute one. And then, you know, we could take a deep breath and know that we're getting this patient under control for when we transition into the back of the ambulance and then begin to transport. And we're still task saturated with lots of other things that we can be doing or need to do. Uh, and we show up to the emergency department, getting out the back of the ambulance and into the ED and then giving a report, you know, getting a bed assignment, moving the patient over. And then when can they initiate care at the emergency department? You know, that really starts to look like a long time. So we can do it right now. And, you know, and instead of bringing the patient to care, we're bringing care to the patient. And I think that that's a super important thing that, you know, that we're really leaning into in EMS. And that's, you know, what we're doing today. Let's let's stay with that then and say, is this more of a, a paradigm shift with respect to culture as opposed to policy or protocol? Are we looking more now at being more of a comprehensive provider utilizing this technology available to us? And rather than just throwing the patient in the ambulance and delivering to the hospital, because from our perspective, we have always said that we're going to, the, to do the best that we possibly can for the patient pre-hospital. But are we doing that? And is that something that we need to start looking more at? With this technology available to us, there's no reason why we're not, right? So we had spoken offline and I said, it's very, this is the equivalent of the RSI argument. Or am I going to RSI this patient when I'm at the hospital in the ER, or am I just going to bring the patient in? Well, I would argue, take the time to advocate for that patient and do the best that you possibly can rather than delivering a patient into the ED and having that delay of treatment. And that's the argument that I would pose to you. And I'd like to hear your feelings on it. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that when we have a patient that it's obvious that an intervention needs to happen and that you know that that's what the patient needs to be stabilized, that we start, you know, really leaning into you know, developing our, uh, our care to do it now. You know, it's different if you have somebody who's undifferentiated and you're not sure what to do, but we're talking about in the situation where we have a clear, you know, issue. Clearly we have the tools to, you know, stabilize that issue. And then once we do that, then we can start looking at bigger picture stuff. So maybe that patient who needed to be, as your example, for like an, as an RSI, uh, where did, what's really their underlying etiology? Uh, if we couldn't RSI that patient, you know, and it was traumatic and the closest hospital was not the trauma center, well, we're running to the closest hospital just to stabilize that airway more than likely. And then having to transfer out from there, the trauma center, we're just delaying the, you know, definitive care. This is the same thing, you know, pick your etiology, pick your disease process. If we can start treating the patient now and stabilizing them in the situations that a lot of times we might not know exactly what the cause is, but we know it needs to happen. Um, and sometimes we do know exactly what the cause is. We can stabilize the patient now and then get it right the first time. Take them, you know, maybe to the, the closest appropriate facility. Take them to that resource center, not just run to the closest hospital just for stabilization. It really makes, uh, you know, these patients who are super sick, it allows us to, you know, get a lasso on their disease process a lot earlier and then long term make better decisions for their care. I agree. And I would also argue that it brings credibility to our industry. When you're going to deliver that patient to the ED, almost wrapped with a neat little bow on it, 
you're going to get that credibility, not just from physicians, because you're an extension of them, but from the nurses. When you have that infusion running and it's labeled and it's accurate, I mean, you you deal with it all the time. Tell me what that what that's like delivering that into the ED when you have that neat little package that's on that infu- that sapphire. It's almost like bells and whistles go off for these nurses because you've done the work for them. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's it's it brings it to a whole different level. You know, uh, in my shop in New Orleans, you know, we have a really great advantage in that we get have access to really great training. We, we pay our guys to come in for training. We really, you know, are interfaced well with the local level one uh, trauma center, um, LSU, and we have great medical direction through them, medical direction that shows up and takes an active role in helping to educate. And our guys are really good at, at, you know, just medication math and spooling up these infusions to gravity. But our guys would do it. They would do it really great. They would get, you know, these infusions going and it's challenging, you know, if we're going to use that as the example um, counting drops and doing that med math and, you know, logistically, you know, the bag goes up, gravity, you know, acts on it, drips faster, it goes down, it drips slower to the bend their arm. And, you know, even when our guys were doing it correctly and everything was looking good, we'd roll into the hospital and the nurses would say, you can't have norepinephrine on a gravity infusion. Um, that's unsafe. And, you know, they would, would move to immediately take it down because they just don't understand that that can be done. And that's the way that it used to be done. And so, um, you know, when the difference is when you walk in with an IV pump, they understand that. And they say, oh man, look at this. Um, this is guys on an IV pump. I know that I shouldn't stop that. At the end of the day, the patients were being delivered in the same, um, in the same manner, you know, their blood pressures, you know, we're shooting maps for post cardiac arrest, you know, 80 millimeters, uh, you know, for anything else above 65 on a map, um, you know, and we're bringing them these patients, but when you have them on the pump, you know, it's just, it really does slow down the time frame. Everybody in the emergency department takes a deep breath um, and they know that the patient, you know, is one more step to, to being completely under control and then allows them to listen better, to think better and, and really just manage the patient, uh, you know, in a much better way rather than, oh man, now we have an emergency and we need to also react. Well, we've already done the hard work for you guys. Here we are. And now we're, we're here to hand them off to you so that you, you can do some better tests and maybe keep advancing this patient's care. Right. And ultimately they're going on a pump as soon as they get an ED. So you've done that for them. That's the standard inside the hospital. So why are we not having that be our standard since we're delivering that patient? I'm curious from your work as a consultant and your work in education, what the feedback is you're hearing on pumps, on infusion pumps out there in the EMS industry. I speak from my perspective, as I said, in an urban type environment, but what are you hearing as far as universally? Are more and more people utilizing it? Are they not utilizing it? Are they fearful of utilizing it? What is the feedback out there on the street? Well, I mean, I think that when you talk about pumps in the pre-hospital environment, there's there's two different uses that were out there. The guys who were doing critical care transfers, you know, ground and air, and yeah, they sometimes those guys run scene calls. They've been using pumps for years, but the pumps that they were using, you know, um, had been around for a really long time, maybe a little bit dated, um, maybe, you know, uh, at some points a little bit pricey. Uh, but they were never those same pumps They were marketed to critical care, but they were never marketed to the 911 guys. So the folks in 911, we've just never really had, uh, haven't done both. We really haven't had pumps before. You know, the best thing that most of us had was counting drops or maybe, you know, like something like a, a flow restrictor, like a dial of flow, um, you know, and, and that still is doing math and, you know, maybe using some, some drip charts, best case scenario. Uh, but now with this pump, you know, really looking towards the the 911 environment, you know, and 
decreasing those barriers, you know, with great drug libraries that could be established locally um, for the medications that you use and the concentrations that you use and really taking a lot of the guesswork out of it, but still having a pump that, you know, performs like a, the big hospital pumps and, you know, it's really accurate and, uh, you know, allows you to take this medicine to the patient, even in suboptimal conditions. It's just a complete game changer. Um, when we talk about this to, you know, the early adopters in the 911 setting, people get really fired up about it. And they're like, man, this makes a ton of sense. Where have you guys been? And, uh, you know, really just proud to be part of this great team um, with Aton, you know, and, and understanding that this was a huge hole in the market and, uh, and something that, frankly, you know, our patients deserves. Agreed. I do believe that this is going to come around and become a universal accepted device because let's just be honest, EMS, we are not great with change, just like, you know, anything. It takes a while. But yes, I, and I want, I'm glad you mentioned the point about critical care transport and flight because that pumps are always used in, in, that, in that side of the house. And we've seen the benefits of it and we understand how well it works. But having that translate to ground EMS uh, in, in the pre-hospital setting has taken a little bit of time, but I do believe it's coming around and I do believe devices such as the Sapphire are going to help push that along. So uh, LJ Rally, I really do want to thank you for coming on. Uh, it was great chatting and hearing a little bit about this product available to the EMS community. And also thanks again to our sponsor, Aton Medical. Remember to visit Aton Medical and learn more about the Sapphire Infusion Pump at atonmedical.com. That's E-I- T-A-N medical.com. LJ, thanks again. Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening. And we hope to see you in person at EMS World Expo, October 4th to the 8th in Atlanta, Georgia. This is Mike McCabe. See you next time on another episode of EMS World Podcasts. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.